Jesus. Yes. Come on, church, just lift your hands out like this. Show a sign of surrender. Let's sing that again. Oh, oh, you can have my heart. You can have my heart. One more time. Sing it again. Oh, oh, you can have my heart. You can have my heart. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let that come from a place of realness, authenticity from each and every one of us, God. It's a statement that we can only make when we receive a revelation of who you are. And we, we realize where we belong, that we were created for you, that we are instruments of worship for you, um, we are servants of you, and in your grace, you've even called us friends. You are most delighted in us when we are most satisfied in you. And there's just such such a powerful thing that happens, church, when you come to that place of surrender where he can have your heart. You say, God, you take my life. I live it for you instead of myself. It's amazing the work that he can do in us. Today we're going to be hearing a lot about marriage, but you need to understand that whether you are a 10-year-old boy or an 80-year-old widow or anything in between, this message is for you, and my heart today is that you'll see the heart of God revealed through this message and that for many of our young people, a foundation is going to be built to set them up for healthy families someday, amen. So Father God, as we are seated and we prepare to receive from your word today, God, let every heart be open. Let no one disengage. And may the gospel of Jesus Christ and the heart of the Savior, God, be expressed in such a way that somebody enters into a relationship with Jesus today for the first time. We thank you for that. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. Can we thank our worship team one more time for ministering today? And So powerful. God is so good. Well, if you want to cheat... Um, you can go ahead and already get your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to spend most of our time there uh, this morning. And also, uh, just to reiterate, if you are here and you're joining us for the first time today and you haven't filled out a Connect card yet, I just really want to encourage you to do that. Um, if you have one at your table, go ahead and fill that out and turn that in uh, before you leave today. You can also open up your camera on your phone, scan that QR code. But man, we are so glad that you're here with us today and we'd love to have a chance to get connected with you. We're in uh, week four now of a series called Home. And the heart behind this series of teachings is to restore biblical families. We believe, um, and I think most of you will agree, that there is an obvious attack on traditional families, on biblical families in our culture today. And I believe that that's strategic, that the enemy understands, number one, first of all, Satan hates everything that God has designed and so he wants to corrupt it and, uh, and pervert it and ruin it. And number two, we see that throughout Scripture, the family unit and the different relationships between father and son, uh, husband and wife, are used to teach us about God's characteristics and to reveal his heart to us. And so Satan knows that if he can muddy the waters, if he can break up families, if he can confuse roles, if he can confuse uh, genders, if he can confuse different things, then what he can do is he can create such a twisted expression of who God really is in our minds that we either lose interest or we turn our backs on him in all-out rebellion. 
And I think that we can see the results of that happening in our culture today. And so as families go, we believe so goes culture. Christ is to be revealed in all family relationships. And this morning, we're going to be spending some time talking about the husband and wife relationship, talking about marriage. Okay, now how many of, in, how many of you in here are married? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you in here were married at one time? Okay. Uh, how many of you in here want to get married someday? Okay. Uh, how many of you in here um, have parents that were married at least at some point in time? Okay. That hopefully included everyone. And I did all that to let you know that there is something to be taken away from this message for every single one of you, even our teenagers that are in here this morning, um, even those of you that um, are not married. God wants to reveal something to you in this truth. And not only is he wanting to build healthy families, but I believe he's wanting to reveal so much about himself to us so that we can better understand his heart. I love how we have opportunities all the time. Uh, You know, we think about this around Father's Day and Mother's Day, that not everyone has had the opportunity and the blessing to be a parent, but yet at some point in life, you're going to have an opportunity to be a father figure to somebody, a mother figure to somebody. Maybe later on in life, you can be a grandparent figure for somebody. And the word of God is just so powerful that it can apply to us in all areas of our lives. So do not check out, okay? All right. So first, I want to highlight the end of Ephesians chapter 5. It says in verses 31 and 32, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. I love this statement right here. Verse 32 says, this is a great mystery, but it is an what? Is that on the screen? Say it louder. It's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. What have we been saying for this past month? That God wants to use families to illustrate, to reveal truths about himself. And he wants our relationships to reflect the heart of God because those are the types of relationships that you were created for. Those are the types of relationships that will be fulfilling and mutually beneficial for each and every one of us. If they glorify God, if they reveal God, that they're also going to be the relationships that bless us and strengthen us and give us what we need. And so by destroying families, of course, Satan can distort our view of God. As Christians, raise your hand if you believe that our families should look a little different than the rest of culture. Anybody with me in the room today? They should look a little bit different. It doesn't mean that our families should be perfect, right? Or that they will always be perfect. It doesn't mean that our families will be absent of conflict um, or sometimes not suffer seasons where there's a lack of peace. But he has called us to lead our families in the same way that he's called us to live our lives, right? Uh, Broad is the road, right? Wide is the road that leads to destruction, but, but narrow, is the road that leads to eternal life. God has called us to lead our families down a very narrow road. But even the straight and narrow road has got some traffic to navigate, amen? It can sometimes feel overwhelming. How many of you have experienced family traffic before? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. In other words, that, that season in family where you see that there are potential collisions coming together And sometimes it's hard to figure out who's in what's lane and what laws we should obey, who's not obeying the right laws. And and, uh, and so that's like traffic. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. First, on a lighter note, I want you to share at your table, what's your biggest traffic pet peeve? We're going to learn about your Christian character uh, in that. And as a follow-up, what has been the most difficult traffic you have had to navigate in your family? Okay, so what's your biggest traffic pet peeve in actual traffic, and then what's been the most difficult traffic in your family dynamic that you've had to navigate in your family? All right, so we're going to discuss that, and then we're going to open up God's Word, see what He has for us today.
right. Wow. Some very interesting discussion at my table. I, I learned that the Hudson children are not perfect after all. Do you guys believe that? There's, sometimes they have problems too. I mean, that heals me. That heals me. You guys are awesome. Oh, man. Well, I hope you were uh, blessed by the conversations at your table. So, traffic pet peeves. Oh, I'm sure we had some fun ones there. You know, maybe it's, it was camping out in the left lane, merging at the last possible minute, you know, when there's like a lane closure, that person that cuts in line, uh, not using your turn signal, weaving in and out of traffic, not obeying stop or yield signs. How about this? Not staying in your lane. Is there anything that makes you more nervous than when there's like a big semi and they keep like drifting over and you're just like, okay, I want to pass them, but I'm scared. So you like gun it and you try to get it up to like 85. I'm just, I would never do that. Pastors don't speed. And that might be one of the most dangerous things of all right there, right? When, when someone doesn't stay in their lane uh, because it creates a high potential for collision, and how many of you know going uh, 75 miles an hour down a highway uh, makes for a very precarious situation if a collision is possible? So this morning we're continuing uh, this topic of submission. And uh, in the context today of wives, and uh, don't worry, we will get the husbands next week. And so uh, uh, make sure your husband doesn't play hooky next week, right? Uh, he needs to be here. Um, but submission is one of the most important road signs God gives us to navigate the traffic in our families. And so we're going to be having this heavy traffic theme today and road signs and reflectors and things that you encounter on the road because as a family, we're on a journey together, right? We're trying to go somewhere. We're trying to lead our family somewhere. We're trying to uh, become the, the people that God wants us to be. And so it's a journey. And so my hope is today that now when you're driving down the road and you see the signs on the road that we've been talking about, you'll actually be reminded of some of the biblical principles when it comes to our families. And so submission, as we know, is um, kind of a trigger word for some people. We talked about this last week. Um, submission sometimes is, is tied into uh, our past and bad experiences that we've had uh, and how people have used that word, maybe to dominate or to manipulate, maybe um, the other way around, how authority has, authority has been uh, usurped, and, and it's created a lot of drama, and so we hear this word submission, but I believe God did a powerful work in us last week, um, helping us come to grasp with the power of submission and what biblical submission actually is. And so I think the tension, though, with culture today is when people hear the word submission, they think inferior. Um, and, and, and I think uh, one of the biggest pushes in culture today, um, and something that unfortunately has become a part of the feminist movement, is um, it's not really equality that is always being communicated, but it's really like it becomes a competition. Like, why should I have to submit to you? I'm more qualified than you are. And what happens is we confuse the word equal with the word same. And um, I have a news flash for you today that men and women are not the same. And if that offends you, I'm sorry. I, just, I don't know what, what else to say. I love you. But men and women are not the same because that's how God designed it. Um, I love, you know, sometimes uh, I've, I've heard this used in, a, in, a, in an obnoxious way uh, to kind of like paint a, a dark uh, picture or a derogatory picture on homosexuality, right? Where they say God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Ha, 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 right? Probably not the best way for us to try to show the love of Christ to, to the homosexual community. Um, although um, it is true. Uh, but on top of that, um, God created women for a reason, right? Because certainly God could have just created men. You know, maybe they just hatch under a rock or something, right? And then we, he just continues to populate the earth with men. I mean, have you ever stopped to think about that? That if God created male and female, it must be that the female is of very high value, very high importance. The man didn't need another man. 
And it doesn't mean that we don't have uh, great um, relationships with other men, right? But God, when he recognized that it's not good for man to be alone, he's like, I'm not going to give you another man. I'm going to give you something better for you. I'm going to give you a woman. And so same and equal are two completely different terms. And when it comes to navigating the traffic in marriage, there's a wife lane and there's a husband lane. And some of you are hearing that and that offends you because somebody has said to you, stay in your lane. And they said it in an obnoxious way. But I want you to just bear with me here this morning and try to make the connection between uh, the, the potential impact in traffic and the conflict within relationship, specifically within uh, a marriage relationship. And so when Jesus came, um, one of the things he did is he established equality uh, more than anyone else in history. And it's amazing that um, he came and he brought equality, but what he never did is he never said that men and women are the same. You can't find Jesus saying that anywhere. And so we must both submit to one another, right? We, well, we're going to read that in a minute, right, where it says submit to one another. But you got to understand the way that a husband submits to a wife is not the same way the wife submits to a husband. There's different types of submission and there's different roles that take place um, within a godly marriage. But this statement is very powerful. This is Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. It says, there is no longer, so in Christ Jesus, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. But listen to this. It says, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Notice it doesn't say, for you are all the same in Christ Jesus, but it says you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus brought equality um, at a time where, um, in a lot of ways, women were devalued. Uh, women were not seen as equals. And Jesus brought an amazing change uh, for women. But he never said that we were the same. And so in order for our families to survive the traffic, we have to follow the signs. And so that's the challenge today, that within our marriages... We learn to follow the signs that God has given us in his scripture. And we're going to take a look at the book of Ephesians chapter 5. I want to invite you to stand with me before we dig into this. And if you got a Bible, grab your Bible. If you're going to follow along on your Bible app, you can grab your phone. And we are going to make a statement together to remind us what this is that we hold in our hands and what's possible when we apply it to our lives. All right. So it's up on the screen. Go ahead and read this with me on the count of three. One, two, three. This is my Bible. It is God's word. When I read it and live it, I will become everything it says that I am. If you believe this is God's word, say amen. amen. All right. And you can have a seat. We're going to turn to Ephesians chapter five. And for context, we're going to go verses 21 through 33. But we're really going to zero in today on wives which goes from 22 to 24. Also want to point out before I read this, that in this passage right here, there's only a couple verses for wives, and what follows is over twice as many words, I think, for husbands. And um, so let that sink in, um, because if wives are feeling picked on today, just wait, because your husbands are getting a double portion next week. All right, so verse, starting in verse 21, it says, And further... Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, we're going to find out what that means. Verse 22. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. She will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, 
and we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Father, give me the grace to present your truth, God, uh, unapologetically, but with gentleness and with the leading of your Holy Spirit, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Submit. We're all called to submit, but not in the same way, and Paul begins to break it down for us. And today, I want to give you three ways to navigate family traffic with submission being at the heart of all of those ways. My hope that as you see these signs, like I said, as you're driving down the road, you'll be reminded of this message. Number one is this. Another word for submission could be the word yield. So be predetermined to yield. Let's take a look at that. Uh, anybody seen one of those before? Driving down the road, yield. Sometimes I feel like we don't know what to do with that, uh, where it's like, um, only stop. Some people come in with it like only stop if you absolutely have to. And it's if the other person, you know, chickens out, then you just go, right? If they don't, you stop. Uh, but what's supposed to happen is when you see this sign, you know there's potential for a collision because it usually means the crossing traffic does not have a yield sign. And so if you don't yield, then a collision is inevitable if you cross at the wrong time. And so they want you to be predetermined that you will yield when you see the presence of an oncoming vehicle. I mean, you think that sounds like wise advice, okay? And so understanding that it's your responsibility before the situation arises is gonna be key. Uh, because if you're predetermined to yield, then you're not gonna be delayed, you're not gonna be late on how you're supposed to respond in that situation. Um, if it's not understood who yields, it becomes a game of chicken, how many of you have been in a relationship like that before? It's a game of chicken. Who's going to blink first? And to your detriment, you've been unwilling to blink first. You've been unwilling to, to veer off course. And so a lot of collisions have taken place in your relationships. And in this context, if a wife, for example, refuses to yield, then what happens is she causes her husband to veer off course and go down the wrong road. So just if there was a car coming in your lane the opposite direction, and the only way to avoid that collision is for you to veer off to the side, what happens is that husband will never fully get to where God wants to take him. Because where God wants to take him is to a place where he leads his wife and he leads his children. And if the wife refuses to submit, then he can't fulfill the purpose that God has placed upon his life where God wants to lead him and lead his family. And so what happens is a wife can actually uh, limit the husband's ability to not only lead her, but to have an impact and an influence on his children. In verse 22, um, it says to submit to, our wives, to, to your wives. See? It's so ingrained in culture. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. What does that mean? As to the Lord. By submitting to your husband, you're also submitting to the Lord. In Colossians 3.18, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? As is fitting. In other words, like, which of course this is appropriate, right? If you're somebody that belongs to the Lord, then of course this is how you should behave. You should be submitted to your husband uh, because you belong to the Lord. Uh, hear this, you cannot refuse to submit to your husband without being disobedient to God. If you refuse to submit to your husband, you're being disobedient to God. And he's also saying here that this type of submission will make you recognizable, that you will be recognized as belonging to the Lord because of the way you navigate your family dynamics through submission to your husband. A driver that fails to yield uh, or pay attention to signs or lane markers doesn't look like they belong on the road, right? 
You ever have that moment where someone's driving so erratically and you shout to yourself um, because you know they can't actually hear you? Where'd you get your license? I think sometimes uh, we operate in our marriages in such a way that might cause somebody to say, where'd you get your marriage license? It's interesting because you get a license to operate a vehicle, but you get a license to get married. I think that we should change it so that you get a license to stay married, right? To, to be qualified to keep that marriage ongoing. Um, but really all we have to do is sign some papers and anybody can get married, but you have to pass a test to get behind the wheel of a car. I think sometimes that's a problem. That's why if you ever ask me to do your wedding, um, I will take you through five weeks of pre-marriage counseling. Um, and at the end of those five weeks, I reserve the right to say, you two should not be getting married. So think twice before you ask me. In Titus 2.5, it says that wives should live wisely and be pure, uh, to work in their homes, to, to do good, uh, to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? So that we'll not bring shame on the word of God. If you disobey traffic laws, you get written up. You get a ticket. You pay a penalty. And then... It goes on your record, right? Unless you go to traffic school. Sounds like I've been through this process before. But when biblical family rules are disrupted, subverted, and perverted, it brings shame upon the word of God. See, when we honor God in our marriages, it illuminates the word of God. It brings understanding to our children to one another, to our own hearts. It, it brings understanding sometimes even to the world as they look at our godly marriages. But when we dishonor God in our marriage, it discredits the word of God. And it is that very thing that I think has caused some of us to come back to this ancient passage in Ephesians chapter five and, and say to ourselves, this needs to be updated. There needs to be a revised edition of the Holy Bible um, because that's not how things work anymore in today's culture. And so we discredit the word of God, we attempt to reinterpret the word of God to make it fit what a modern day family looks like. But this word does so much more than get read by you. This word reads you. You don't read the Bible, the Bible reads you. And in Hebrews 4.12, when it says that the word of God is living and active and powerful, that it penetrates and divides between soul and spirit and bones and marrow, and it discerns the thoughts and tents of your heart, what's being described there is a book that is more than ink on paper, that is supernatural and powerful to the point where it gets inside of you, and it shows you where your life doesn't line up with what this says, and it performs surgery on your soul and your heart and your mind so that you can be brought into alignment with this truth, the truth that will heal, the truth that will heal your marriage, the truth that will set you free, the, the truth that leads to life eternal. And so to protect your marriage along with its biblical roles is to also protect your own heart. David said, your word I have hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. And so, ladies, if you cannot stomach the idea of submitting to a man, submitting to your husband, you're going to have difficulty submitting to Jesus. And if, if, if right now some of you are in your mind firing back and saying, no, I have no problem submitting to Jesus. I just haven't met a man I want to submit to, right? But sometimes... We think we have no problem submitting to God, but it's because we've created our own version of God in our mind. What I mean by that is sometimes we adopt false beliefs about God that do not reflect his nature. Rather, we assign traits to God that match our nature. And instead of uh, uh, learning who God is and his character and his heart through his word, we honestly are putting ourselves in God's shoes and saying, well, if I were God, I think it would be like this. 
That's a dangerous thing to do. I think all of us would be very terrified if any of you were God and you were making determinations on what is right and wrong. And through my life, I have uh, come upon uh, scriptures that I used to try to reinterpret as a young person because it was difficult to swallow. But when I finally came to a place, a place of maturity where I was willing to swallow that bitter pill, uh, I was able to experience the benefits and the transformation that takes place because I want my life to be conformed to the word. I don't want the word to be conformed to my life. And this is going to be a challenge when it comes to our marriages. Do we want our marriage to be conformed to the word of God or are we trying to form the word of God to our marriage because only one way honors God and only one way will fulfill uh, the needs that he has put within us. Number two, don't make it a competition. So the first one's about yielding. This one's about a speed limit. Check this out. I found this online. I want to know where this highway is. Speed limit 1,000 miles per hour. And I want to know what vehicle goes that fast, right? Obviously, that's not a picture of a real sign. I picked that for fun to help illustrate that marriage is not a competition of wills. Marriage is not a race. Marriage is not an arena where one proves oneself or exerts someone's dominance over the other. This sign reminds us that a highway is not a racetrack, amen? Amen. I mean, you think there's some people on the road that need to hear this, right? The highway is not a racetrack, and marriage also must not become a race or a competition. Let me tell you what that means. That means that in a marriage, hear this, in a marriage we don't keep score. The Bible says that love keeps no record of wrongs. When it comes to submitting, we don't keep score. We, We can't say to ourselves, I always submit. It's his turn to submit this time. That may in fact be the case. The Holy Spirit might be dealing with his heart and saying, yeah, you can submit on this. Quit digging your heels on absolutely everything your wife wants to do. But it is not your call to make. The only place for competition in marriage is like what it says in Romans chapter 12, to outdo one another in showing honor. Make it a competition to see how much you can give preference to your spouse. That goes both ways. Husbands, make it a competition to say how many times you can give way to her will and her desires when it's appropriate to do so. Wives, make it a competition to to how often you say, let's do what you want to do. Let's go eat where you want to eat on the little things and maybe uh, giving in more on some of the big things as well. It can't be a competition. In verse 23, Paul reminds us that a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. And so there's like this uh, hierarchy that's being given to us. It's the divine hierarchy, the divine design for families. That There has to be a hierarchy, right, so that we know uh, who makes the final decision uh, when the rubber meets the road. But what is not happening here, listen to this. The scripture here is not declaring a winner. It's not a competition. It's not declaring a winner. The husband is the best. The husband wins. What it is doing is it's clarifying roles. So we talked about this, I think, a little bit last week, right, about roles, Um, about how uh, if you read a lot of marriage books, a lot of it centers around, um, you know, the do's and don'ts of marriage. Try this and try that. Tell her this. Tell her that, right? But the Bible uh, spends so much time just emphasizing roles, people operating in the biblical roles they were called to do. And so the Bible is showing us that that's a key to happiness in our marriage. So the scripture is not declaring a winner. It's declaring a head. Now, a body without a head is dead, right? But a body with two heads is a monster. And if you've ever been a, har- a part of a household where there's two competing heads... You know, it's, it's pretty horrific. It can be very terrifying. It's not a great place to grow up in. If roles are not clear in an organization, it leads to chaos and frustration. And if roles are not defined in marriage, it's the same way. Check this out. Albert Barnes said, man should be as cautious about invading her, his wife's prerogative, or abridging her liberty 
as she should be about invading the prerogative that belongs to him, which is leadership. In every family, there should be a head, someone who is to be looked up to as the counselor and the ruler, someone to whom all should be subordinate. God has given that prerogative to man, and no family prospers where that arrangement is violated. Well put. Well put. Nowhere in there did he talk about man being superior, but simply that he was given the divine responsibility as leadership in his home. And so uh, when you hear that term, stay in your lane, when it comes to actual traffic, does that apply to just the smaller vehicles, right? Is there a traffic law that says if you're a small vehicle, get out of the road or you're going to get ran over? No, stay in your lane applies to big, small, slow, fast. But see, there's a tension that has existed since the fall, And if you know the story of Adam and Eve, you know they rebelled against God and Eve led the way in that situation. Um, She she didn't ask her husband what she should do. Um, Now, he's not without blame either, right? Because we know he was close by because she gave it to him and he ate it too, right? Um, But she didn't consult her husband. She led the way. She ate of the fruit. She was the first to rebel against God. And as a result, God is explaining the consequences of her actions, some of which are... um, are a punishment, and some are just natural consequences. And one of those things is this. In Genesis 3.16, God prophesied to Eve, and he says, you will desire to control your husband. Wow. I think that's been fulfilled. I think in a lot of marriages, uh, there comes a time where the woman wants to take Control And the Bible tells us that that is there as a result of the fall. And that even some of the tension that is in the room right now is a result of the fall, as a result of sin in the world. Now listen, hear me. This will make sense to you, I promise. It's a result of the sins of men who have used their power and authority in abusive ways. It's a result of men who have been on the opposite and been lazy and weak leaders, not motivated, and they become passive and they cower behind their wives. That's just as much an error as what the wife is doing. It's a result of the sins of women who have successfully usurped the authority of their husband or have emotionally manipulated their husbands to get what they want. You know, oftentimes um, preachers will make the mistake of making that joke. Yeah, I'm the head, but she's the neck that turns the head, which is a terrible biblical example, right? Um, Because what that's saying is I have the appearance of leadership, but in reality, the wife's calling all the shots. And I don't know if that's a reality in your home or not, uh, but that's not what God has designed. And so what we see here is that a freeway full of cars Um, All has the capability of driving the speed limit and getting from point A to point B. But when those limits are ignored, it becomes a very dangerous situation. So, moving on. Verse 24. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Sometimes we have to be reminded that it's not about us. Number three. Focus on reflecting God's glory. Now, what you'll see here is a picture of reflectors. And I think you probably have seen the role that reflectors play if you've driven outside of the city and gone up to like Payson, what I do sometimes, and you've driven at night on those windy roads. Often you'll see these road reflectors, and the purpose of these reflectors is so that you can see where you're going. See, the reflectors remind us, hear this, that it's not about which way we want to go, but where the road leads. They show us where the boundaries are by reflecting the light that guides us. See, those headlights guide us, but those reflectors show us where the boundaries are. I took this off of my bike. It's really dirty, right? But this is a bicycle reflector, and the way it works, the only way it works is is the light has to hit it at the right angle, right? So it has to be facing in such a direction that when a passing car comes by, it catches the headlight and it flashes the reflection back, um, letting others know around you that you're there and uh, having them steer away from you. And reflectors that you see on the road help you steer away from danger as well. And so 
Listen, wives submitting to their husbands should be happening in such a way that it reflects the glory of God. So though this submission may be inferior uh, to the wife's submission to Christ, right? We should all be more submitted to Christ even than we are our husbands. It should reflect that submission. And so the, like this reflector, though the light is of a lesser degree, it reveals the same light when aimed in the proper direction. But if I take this reflector and I cover it up or I turn it around to face the other way, suddenly it doesn't function the way it was designed. In a similar manner, when a, a wife reveals the glory of God when she submitted to a godly man, but when roles are reversed, we fall short of revealing God's glory, more importantly, to our children. See, our children are watching everything. I've also learned the hard way that they're listening only when you don't want them to. Never when you want them to, but when they hear you say something you don't want them to hear, they're listening because they're observing and they're looking closely at how their mother and father function together. And there's so much that they're gleaning. There's so much that's going to be a construction process in their life, forming a foundation for them to build healthy families upon later on. That it's up to us to show them where the boundaries are by reflecting God's will through biblical submission. But here's something I want to say to encourage ladies in the house today. See, your influence over your husband actually comes from this place of submission. It doesn't take away your voice. Um, it doesn't take away your significance. Um, it doesn't um, refuse to acknowledge the wisdom that you have. I have a super wise wife. I come to her for counsel constantly. She sees things in ways that I wish I saw things. And I love her for that. I respect her for that. But ultimately, she submits to my final decision. Not all the time, I'm sure, right? We're not the example of the perfect marriage. But her influence over me is more powerful from a place of submission. Now listen, husbands the most effective influence you have over your wife is found in your Christ-like love for her. And we'll get into this next week, but in Ephesians 5.25, that's where it says, husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And that is a powerful statement when we look at everything that Christ did to restore us to relationship with him and, and the Father. It says he gave up his life for her. So again, men, don't skip next week. Don't be that guy. Turn, turn to a, a man next to you and say, don't be that guy. <laughs> but sometimes the key to submission is knowing where your power and your influence comes from. And Ephesians 5.33 again says, so again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. And what that tells us, and there's a great book on this, uh, called Love and Respect, but I can't say this author's name, it's Emerson something, that the primary need of woman is love and the primary need of man is respect. Now, how many men in here, you want love too, right? How many of you women here would appreciate a little respect, right? So it doesn't mean that you don't need those things, but for men, respect is elevated slightly above love and for women love is elevated slightly above respect and and you might argue with that and that's fine we could we could talk about that later but in general i've i've seen this to be true so how do i as a husband get my wife to respect me the way i feel she should how do i as a wife get my husband to love me and value and treasure me the way i believe i deserve here's something i want to give you that i think is going to empower you Love and respect are not taken, they are sown. Love and respect are not taken, they are sown. And so here's what's interesting. You know how the Bible talks about you reap what you sow? Like this, this is true, but sometimes 
um, well, off, always, what, what comes out of the ground looks very different than what you put into the ground, right? And so when a husband sows love, he will often reap the wife's respect. And when a wife sows respect, she will often reap the love of the husband. The farmer doesn't withhold his seed until he sees a harvest. He's not like, I've got all this seed right here, but I'm not planting it until this soil proves it can produce a crop. Until this soil proves that it will bear fruit that will nourish me. Until I see that happen, I'm going to hold on to this seed. That sounds foolish, doesn't it? Because we know the only way we're going to see that is if we sow into that soil. See, there are many marriages, I believe, that are suffering today because the husband and or the wife are shooting themselves in the foot by withholding love and withholding respect. Some of you, God wants to set you free in your marriage today by getting you to let go of the seed. We got to recognize that our power to change others comes from what we give and not from what we take. So I just want to invite you, if you would just bow your heads with me in prayer. The first thing I want to do is I want everyone in here, and maybe you're new, maybe you're here for the first, second, or third time. Maybe you're not sure about this whole God and church thing, but you say, I know I need help in my marriage. I want God to heal my marriage. See, God wants to bring life to your families, but none of this is going to get you too far if you don't know the giver of life. To effectively submit in your marriage, you must first submit to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you're in the room this morning and you don't know Jesus, and you say, okay, understand it starts here. Understand that I've been doing life wrong, that my choices have offended God and so I need to come clean I need to receive his forgiveness and I need to step into a relationship with him with my life first surrendered to him so that he can do what he wants to do in me and heal my family if that's you in the room today and you've never received Jesus Christ into your life meaning you've never given him your your heart you've never received him as savior if that's you would you just lift up a hand so that we can pray with you today and invite you to step into that relationship, amazing. Thank you, I see a hand in the back. Anybody else? Awesome. So we're gonna pray for you. And then we're also, I wanna give couples an opportunity this morning. This is how I'd like you to respond. We're gonna open up the front of the room. In the church world, we call it the altars. Sounds kinda weird, but I could explain that to you at another time. We're gonna open the front of the room to couples to come up together just to spend uh, some time in God's presence. And the reason why I want couples to come up together, if your spouse is here, if they're not here, you can come up without them. But just to say, we're making this decision together to step into biblical submission. Next, next week, we'll find out what that means for husbands a little bit more. But as a couple, we're saying yes to Jesus. We're submitting our hearts to him and we're willing to step into biblical submission because we wanna see our families healed. We wanna see our families have peace. So I would, I'd like to ask you all to stand if you would. We'll close this way. And if you're one of the people that raised your hand to receive Christ as your savior, I just wanna pray over you real quick. Father, for those that are in the room that don't know you, Father God, I thank you, God, that you've called them today, that you've drawn them to a place where they uh, can uh, step into relationship with you through the forgiveness of their sins and through their faith in Jesus as Savior of the world, as the Son of God who died for their sins and rose from the dead. And if that's you in this room, just say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God that you died for my sins, that you rose from the dead, and I'm giving my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. Come live inside of me, and I choose to live my life for you.
in Jesus' name. In just a moment, the team's gonna lead us in a time of worship. And again, I just wanna invite you to come forward as couples, but understand that this altar is open to anyone. If there's any reason why you feel like you need to come forward to just maybe just like last week, submit to God. We just invite you to come to the front as the team leads. Amen. Jesus. You can go back to your seats. We're so glad that you joined us this morning for our worship service. This is one of those sermons that I'm going to be chewing on all week long, thinking about the scriptures and what God said and how I can apply them. In, our day, in my daily life. In just a few minutes, we're going to continue with our worship into a time of giving. Because worship is not just simply singing or listening to the word or prayer, but it's our whole daily activity that encompasses everything that we do. So in a couple of minutes, we'll have an opportunity to give as we worship. But in the meantime, I have some announcements that I'd like to let you know about. 
First of all, tonight is pursuit. Six o'clock here at the church. If you enjoy the worship that we had this morning in song, you need to be here tonight. It's an amazing time for us to just let loose for the entire time and worship God in ways that I can't always pray or say. So tonight, six o'clock, worship. September 15th through the 17th is Pursuit here at the church. Reset. I looked up there and saw Pursuit. <laughs> Somebody needs to switch. Reset Ministries, September 15th through the 17th. You have a card at your table that will show you how to um, get registered for that. I've been going to church my whole life. I've been through all kinds of healing, deliverance, celebrate recovery, all part of those things that we as churches do. And I still found gold in Reset Ministries. So whether you're new and you're struggling with some things, or whether you, like me, you've been around the block a few times, there's gold in Reset Ministries. Come out and see what God will do in your life. The third announcement is, my mind just went blank, rooted. There you go. On, 16, on the 16th, on Saturday, if you have not been through Rooted, we encourage you to do so. This is our major discipleship program here at the church. You can get that on Sunday, but let's face it, if the only time that you eat normal food is on Sunday, you're gonna have a real problem with life. And getting into Rooted is a a discipleship program that builds and strengthens you throughout the week. And out of that come our small groups that give life and encourage one another. So if you haven't been to Rooted, it starts September 16th on Saturday. This time we have childcare, which we don't normally. So if your reason for not going is, well, I've got the kids and I can't leave them at home by themselves because they'll destroy the house, come to Rooted on Saturday, okay? This Sunday is the fourth Sunday of the month and it's Mission Sunday. And as usual on Mission Sunday, all of our offering, except for that which is specifically designated as tithes, goes to support those that we, um, that we support around the world and also here in the US. We have a special video that we'd like to show you about one of the ministries that we support. Hi, my name is Bridget Metcalf and I'm with Sealed Ministry. And I wanna introduce you to a ministry that networks with other women around the world to rescue those trapped in sex trafficking. I am not a stranger to the dark. We're gonna be heading to Bangkok, Thailand, and there's over 1.2 million young ladies that need to be rescued out of this industry. And I'm asking you to partner with us. We have two components that we focus on with Sealed Ministry. One is to bring a conference together where other women like-minded get inspired of how we're going to do this, how we're gonna strategize and touch these women. And then two, we get our hands dirty and go into the red light district, rescue these girls, teach them conversational English through the word of God. And then that sets them on a path of knowing their value and knowing their worth. Partner with me by either giving, going, or praying. Any one of these components can support us so that we can rescue these women out of this trap and set them on a rock, and that is Jesus Christ. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. As we give this morning, there are three ways that you can give. You can give online through our app and through our website. 
You can give in the buckets. They're at the back as you leave this morning. Or you can give through uh, mailing a check into our post office box. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning that feeds us, that encourages us, that blesses us. But I thank you, Father, also that you give us the opportunity to give out of what we have received and to bless and encourage others. And I pray, Father, this morning that as we give, we will give with hearts full from what we have received this morning. I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you again for coming this morning. We look forward to seeing you next week. Be sure that you say hello to at least half a dozen people around and have a great week. We'll see you next week.